Welcome to the Huxley Morton podcast, insights into the world of clinical trials. Today, I am joined by Christopher Patek over in Ohio, over in the States. He is a bright, young, enthusiastic individual working as the the vice president at the Clinical Trials Network, uh, and he is here to to share his story with us today. Christopher, um, you and I have, have spoken off off air as it may be, but for our listeners, um, it'd be great to just get a, a quick introduction from, from yourself about your role, your company, and what, what you do, because I, I certainly found it quite fascinating to understand some of the similarities between what you do as a business and, and kind of what we, we do as a recruitment business, because there's, there's a few crossovers there, just in, in a, yeah, a few nuances really. So if you can yeah. give us a quick insight to, to that. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Christopher Pitek. I'm, you know, like as you said, the vice president for the Clinical Trials Network. Uh, we are a trial management company that partners with community physicians, you know, particularly in private practices mm. uh, across four main disciplines at the moment. So we work with gastroenterologists, um, ophthalmologists, allergists, and immunologists, as well as dermatologists. Each one of our networks is is very highly specialized. Um, you know, in those areas, and then we'll continue to add specialists, uh, you know, in our new networks as we add on each year. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do is we kind of handle the administrative backing uh, of the clinical trials so that our sites can focus on the, you know, the clinical aspects. The kind of main goal behind our company is that, you know, there is a lot of, you know, stigma to be a lab rat to jump into a clinical trial or a lot of hesitation on the patient's end. Mm-hmm. And so what we try to do is, Give the you know give physicians in the community the ability to be involved with these trials, the support that they need, because that you know there are a lot more you know hoops and obstacles to jump through now as you're getting into clinical trials than there were you know five ten years ago. And so mm. you know a yeah. lot of you know the physicians that we particularly work with, you know they're more in the rural areas where you know those patient populations don't have access to the latest treatments, which is what you know which is the kind of sites that we try to target to try to get these products out there and available to you know the the general public. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, our biggest goal is, you know, having these patients, you know, jump in a clinical trial with the physicians that treat them clinically so that there's that continuation of care and that those those patients don't feel like they are a lab rat when they jump in. They know I'm with the same doctor, the same facility, the same team. I'm getting that same attention. And that's really where our company's kind of mindset came from. Yeah. Okay. So it's as much as anything, it's trying to allow the physicians to just get on with, with the, what they do best and you yep. take a lot, a lot of the administrative side of things so that yeah I guess just ease that burden of, of having to juggle that whilst also doing that what they do it's just, I guess kind of similar to what we're, we're always preaching as a recruitment business myself you know people are hiring staff uh, as a company owner myself I know that it's it's a drain on my time uh, but yes. I, I understand that the strength of any business is, is built on the strength of its people. So I naturally, I, I get involved, you know, but sometimes it's, it's time consuming. And that's where, when we approach other businesses, it's kind of, look, guys, let us handle this. You do what you do best. We will try and deliver a solution inside sort of budget. And it's, it's win-win for both parties. And it sounds as though that's where there's the similarity is with your business model, helping these guys effectively just, use all of their time as a pr- productively as possible, right? Exactly. I, I think kind of the similarity between the two of us would be power and collaboration. 
Mm. Um, you know, you don't, I think there's that kind of area where you don't know what you don't know. So I know, you know, particularly for us when we're hiring employees, it's, you know, what kind of candidate are we truly looking for? You know, how do we know, um, you know, like that we're finding the right people that are going to be the right fit, which is exactly where you guys come in where, you know, Mm. you may think this is what I'm looking for, but it may not be, you know, the right kind of candidate. There could be a red flag that you missed. And, you know, that's kind of where we are with the clinical trials aspect of, of it, where, you know, you are getting involved with the clinical trial. You may think it's an easy trial and then you find out, oh, wait, I didn't document this properly. Or, you know, when this Mm. patient sneezes, it's on 15 pieces of paper, you know, it's not just a minor, a minor thing. So I think, there, that's kind of a theme within the world I think we're seeing post-COVID is that people are actually, you know, getting back into the idea of that power of collaboration. Sure. Okay. No, look, that's that's great. Great to hear. And yeah, I think things have changed and, and will continue to change over the coming months. But before we get into that, let's first kind of rewind a, a yeah. few years because look, uh, as I said, look, you're a, a bright, young, enthusiastic guy running your own business now. Um There'll be plenty of people out there listening, you know, certainly from my network who are are job seekers and looking to get into the world of clinical research, which is sometimes just overlooked. It's it's such a massive industry, but at the same time, so many people don't understand what sort of positions there are in that. So how how did you end up getting into the industry? Did you always kind of want to go down this route? You know, was this sort of planned out in your own mind? Because, you know, certainly being a recruitment business owner was not in, in mind. You know, yeah. I, I had myself pinned as a, an international sports star and, and whatnot. <laughs> didn't, didn't quite work, work out. I mean, I, I did okay, but um, it's just, yeah, interesting to, to hear how, how your path went. So I will say clinical research has a very similar story from a lot of people that kind of are in the field. I don't think people really understand um, that this field exists. You know, it is a massive field. There's lots Mm. of areas that you can kind of get into. And I don't think anyone really plans from day one when they're a kid, I'm going to be a clinical researcher because I just don't think it's it's spoken enough about or it's it's not out there as much. Um, I originally was planning on going to medical school. I I was working in clinical research, you know, as an undergrad uh, full time at Ohio State, which has kind of allowed me to kind of move up the chain a little bit faster from gaining that experience. Mm. Um, Absolutely loved it. But I the only reason I even did it was because I wanted to boost my application for medical school. Um, Kind of at that last moment when I was kind of deciding between, okay, do I accept one of the schools I got accepted to or do I kind of stay in this area on the back end? Um, I kind of just fell in love with research. I like the, that this is a field that you are a forever student in. And I think it takes, you know, someone, it takes kind of those, those people who, who want to learn every single day where, you know, in our area, we're doing one specialty one year and then the next year we add on a new one. And I have no idea what's going on in mm. allergy immunology when I'm focused on the other three and I'm, I'm spending the whole year learning it, learning these protocols. You know, what do these physician practices look like? How does this landscape look across the board? What are the pipelines that are out there? And so- um, I think that's kind of a, that what attracted me and kind of changed my route into it. So no, I, I, I had no idea. I was, I was very much like you. I was going to be, you know, I was going to be a physician. I had a whole different path in mind and kind of fell into it. Sure. And then f- from then f- for you, what, you know, you told me about your path from then on, or I, I commented on having, having seen your profile on LinkedIn. And that was the bit that amazed me was the, the quick progression that you went through it was yeah you know it's it's kind of textbook stuff but I was like as a recruiter I looked at your profile I was like how on earth has this guy gone from (laughs) this to this to to VP um so look talk talk us talk us through that because that's that's the bit I you know I I love that when you told me 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like, you know, like I said, kind of, I got lucky by kind of working full time when I went to undergrad, a lot of my classes for the neuroscience program where it was a new program. So, you know, we had classes early in the morning and late in the evening. So I had the days open. So I was like, well, I might as well just get a job if I'm going to be working for clinical research. And so I kind of asked if I could just be on full time and gain as much experience as possible. Mm. I think the one area, um, because a lot of people don't understand that clinical research exists, um, and there is such a large field for it that there is a huge, um, a huge area of recruiters that are out there, um, you know, that are highly specialized for just this industry. And so, mm. um, you know, there's, you know, you can kind of go up the path like I did and not even apply for a single job. Like I've, I've actually never applied for a job and knock on wood. That's, been able to that's the bit up. that I, I was amazed by. Was never, ever applied for a job. Yeah. You, and you, it's, you completely it's kind of wild, recruiters out, out, of, out of a day job there, Chris. Yes. <laughs> well, I will say though, um, you know, the companies themselves had, you know, recruiters that were looking for individuals that they were working with. And that's kind of where, you know, our paths kind of crossed where, you know, I was working at Ohio State, was approached by a recruiter from Nationwide Children's. And they said, hey, we've noticed that you have a strong background in neuroscience and in clinical research. You know, we're trying to build a new team in our neuromuscular disorder, uh, mm. you know, gene therapy area. Would you be interested? I went in, interviewed, you know, that day. I said, sure, I'll come find out about it. And then got hired that day, started two weeks later, and then, you know, worked with them for a year. Um, and then while I was there kind of working on some regulatory aspects, um, mm -hmm. another company approached me and said, Hey, would you like to, um, kind of help our company? We need some direction on kind of taking the next step. So it was a private company in, in Columbus, yeah. um, kind of moved over to them. And then, you know, I was kind of working with them and our, uh, we, I met, you know, uh, my business partner at, one of my employees met my business partner at a conference and said, Hey, can you guys come do some cult consultant work for us? So yeah. we came in to evaluate their company and um, kind of the end of the job was either, um, you know, find someone to kind of take over the company or, or uh, you kind of fill that position yourself. Mm. It's closer to my family. It kind of made sense. So I said, all right, I, I kind of moved back up. And then that's when we started collaborating together on the clinical trials network. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of crazy. But, Amazing. Uh, yeah, just I a think. couple of calls where it was like, Christopher, are you interested in this? Christopher, are you interested in that? And it's just, it's just, yeah, spiral to, to where you are now. And it's, um, yeah, good that you're now in a position that you are, as far as I understand, you know, you, you're looking for individuals that you can kind of mentor to almost follow that path, right? Guys that have, have got a good mentality, they want to work hard and kind of to an extent follow in your footsteps, but under the banner of the clinical trials network where you'll set out that progression for them, right? Absolutely. So the way we kind of handle our company is that, you know, like you said, I'm, I'm 28 years old and I am one of the most senior employees at our company. We are run by millennials and, and uh, Gen Z's. Mm. Um, and so what we do is we typically like to bring in new grads right out of school. They're very green. Um, but they also, you know, they love to learn. They're already mm. in that student mindset. And from our standpoint and, and our philosophy is that if you're going to jump in clinical research, you have to have the mindset of being a student for the rest of your life. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a great transition to kind of bring these individuals in. We start them out kind of as, you know, operations coordinators, regulatory coordinators, data, you know, uh, associate data compliance specialists, et cetera. You know, yeah. they get exposure to all of the areas that we have, logistics, data, business development, et cetera. And then they kind of work their way up with us. So we 
we really like to bring people in, nurture them, mentor them, and then kind of have them move up the company with us. So like our director, all of our managers, they all came in as uh, individuals when our company started three years ago and have kind of worked their way wow. up with us. We, we typically would, we, uh, would never hire someone from the outside to kind of come in over someone. We always start fresh, bring them up and reward those who have been you know, with us and who's been kind of, you know, being trained by us. Mm. Well, I think that's an amazing kind of business model. I mean, everywhere that I, I mean, prior to running my business, I only have had two jobs and it was both with startup companies. And I kind of chose who I was working for in terms of individuals rather than the business. Cause that's, that's what interested me and learning how things operate and you know growing with the company is, is kind of has always been a big thing for me so when you can find young grads like that it's it's the perfect way to, to bring them through and as you say if they're straight out of school university and they're, they're used to learning that can then just continue whereas if you've got someone who's been around they've got preconceived ideas it's often more difficult to mold, mold those guys and um, so I, I hear exactly what you're saying on that side of things. 100%, especially in our field with it being so, um, you know, like ever changing and at a minute's notice, like regulation example, like with, protocol, it's, it's crazy, right? Exactly. So like you need to be adaptable and, you know, mm. these students are used to changing classes, um, you know, semester to semester, changing focus, project to project and being able to adapt while staying calm. And that's yeah. a very important aspect that we look for when we bring employees in um you know to, to kind of join the company if you tell them every single day you're here it's different mm. and you know that has to be all right with you um otherwise this this field is not going to work for you and, and particularly our company every day it's a new investigator that we're bringing in or a new protocol that we're onboarding or a new uh study that we're going to go on site and teach them how to you know do a screening visit for so you you really need to be you know ready to go with not much notice unfortunately but that's just kind of the the arena that we're in Sure. Well, I think that leads me quite, quite well on to what does a typical day look like for, for you and the individuals that, that, that work with you? And it sounds yeah. as though it is, it could be over here one day, over here the next. It's so yeah, talk us through kind of a general, maybe, maybe we should, I should change this question to how does your typical week look? Because yeah, on a day to day <laughs> basis, it, it kind of, it doesn't really go down too well. I've, I've spoken to a few people now and, and it's kind of like, James, every day is different. Yes, I mean, I, I would agree with that 100%. I never have a, I don't have, I don't feel like I would say I have a set list of things that I have to get done. It's just what comes in that day is kind of the priority. And then this week, it's like, okay, here's the next priority. So the way, you know, for, for me in particular and kind of my position, I feel like I have kind of two client groups. So, you know, I'm dealing with pharma companies, CROs, to find out what pipelines are out there that we can get our sites into. So learning mm. the landscape, um, you know, attend, you know, obviously not this year, but um, attending conferences, uh, you know, on a on a usual on an annual basis for you know GI, opto, derm, mm. allergy, immunology, you know, meeting these people directly, talking to the medical science liaisons, you know, the the trial, you know, the trial managers, and seeing you know what that pipeline looks like and how we can get our investigators to to kind of help work that or work them to get those trials moving. Um, and then the other piece is, you know, learning the landscape of each one of these specialties. So, you know, learning the positions that are out there. So, you know, um, you know, talking with new doctors and getting involved with research, talking with, you know, physicians who have been in research for 20 years and explaining why our model is, you know, why the, the model of an, uh, you know, a centralized administrative hub is better and why, you know, why the power of collaboration makes more sense now as we're kind of getting into a world of integration, which 
we're really seeing in the industry. I mean, we've seen it first with the CROs and now, you know, the um, IRBs followed suit. And now I think that, you know, sites need to stop being so individualized. And, you know, there are power in numbers as we're seeing kind of on the other side of research that now we need to kind of work together. And that's where a lot of networks similar to ours are kind of popping up to, to kind of uh, fill that gap and you yeah. know, continue to trend across the industry. Yeah. Well, I think um, you kind of covered what I was going to going to ask about, you know, paint a picture of, of how things are looking at the moment for you guys and, and how have you had to adapt and, and, and change since the pandemic pro, um, sort of came out as it may be. Uh, and you, you've covered that quite well there. And I think one of the things you touched on was, was collaboration. Another area that has been highly discussed both on, on LinkedIn and, and when I've been speaking to, to clients is this move to a, a digital and remote landscape. Now, you've told me that this is something that you guys have kind of embraced open arm, haven't you? Talk, talk us through that side of, of the business for you guys. Because again, I was fascinated by this because that's for, for me how, how my business now runs. It, you know, each of our recruiters, they, 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 they pretty much run their own days. They run their weeks. They run their lives um, under the banner of Huxley Morton. I love that because it's kind of, we will give them the tools to do it and they can just you know, work around their kids, work around day-to-day -day life, go and see family, just have a lot more flexibility. But tell me about things kind of at your end. Yeah, so I will say the adaption of, you know, moving to the electronic world was something that I think we were kind of at the beginning of the trend for. So we, mm. um, we opened our company in February of 2018. Um, and when we opened, we were completely electronic with everything that we did. So all of our you know, all of our sites were using electronic source, electronic regulatory, using MS, you know, we use Microsoft Teams as yeah. kind of our ability to kind of work together. Mm. Um, so you know, our right? sites, yes, it just, <laughs> it's great. Like we were very fortunate for because obviously at that point, no one knew a pandemic would be potentially coming up. Mm. So for us, our sites were able to continue to function. So even when our practices were closed across the country, yeah. you know, our, our, you know, the most steady business that any of our centers had was their clinical trials continually ongoing because they could do their pieces as much as they could, you know, remotely and still continue to get that data off to sponsors or monitors to review it. Um, mm. We did recorded um, uh, Teams visits of IP accountability visits. Um, so we were able to kind of, you know, kind of all systems go with a lot of our sites. It just wasn't a lot of new enrollments, but it was keeping our current patients on investigation keeping going. as much as possible. Um, and then kind of the, the second piece though is, you know, with all of us now, instead of being in a centralized office, like, you know, I'm home in my attic right now. Mm. Um, you know, most of our employees, you know, our philosophy of our company has always been, even when we're in our central office, we're always working remote because our sites are, you know, as far as Seattle and down to Miami and everywhere in yeah, between. Wow. So, you know, for us, no matter what location we're in, you always are working remote. So the ability to kind of work with your clients and your sites, that hasn't changed. I think it's just our ability of kind of having that that closeness of it um, has kind of changed for kind of our initial team. Um, mm. But all of our new hires have been hired in those regions of the country to kind of manage the sites across there. So you kind know, of we've makes been sense, kind of doesn't it? It's almost it's almost like why why weren't people doing this previously, right? You know, that's how yes. I look at it. I mean, we're I'm sat here in London as a as a business. We recruit internationally and we always have done. And it's been expats who will, you know, go to India, they'll go to Australia, they'll you know, they'll go to you know, we do a lot of work in the States and I'm just, I just think, thought, why, why do we even need an office? 
Um, you know, everyone I, likes to don't get tell, I mean, I'm sure there's some, re- some landlords that don't want to hear this, but. <laughs> but look, um, you know, it sounds like in terms of, of challenges faced over, over the recent months, rather than you guys having to, to weather the storm, you guys, have, by the sound of it, you've been dancing in the rain because you were already set up for this, right? It's kind of. Yes, I, th- I think the. I think the team that struggled the most with it, though, is kind of our our initial management team, Um, just because, you know, we're used to uh, kind of working together, you know, being within the same office of one another and kind of Mm. strategizing. Otherwise, our employees, this was nothing new. I mean, they were half in the office, half remote already. Now they're just remote all of the time. Yeah. Um, So that really hasn't been kind of a huge kind of transition for us. But I will say um, the the management team itself, just because we're used to kind of... um, you know, those abilities of mm. having our roundtable discussions. Like, you know, we are always, you know, when a staff meeting comes up, it's never, here's the set agenda. We say, you know, here's this site. Let's talk about it. Who has yeah. something they want to discuss? Let's collaborate on this issue. Same thing when we do our manager meetings. So just the transition of doing those in person to remote, I think has been kind of the biggest piece. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say- How, how do you find that? Because I mean, for me, I still, there's certain parts about business that I still prefer that the personal touch, sit, sit, sitting around a meeting with management or even seeing clients is still something that I would much prefer to do in person. That, that's just me. I'm, I'm, I'm a people person. I, I like to get out and about. Um, Teams and Zoom, it's, you know, I've been amazed by, by um, you know, we've adapted it quite quickly because we're, we're small, we're agile and we've been able to do so. But if I could still go out and meet people um, and clients and, and colleagues, I would prefer that. But how, how, how have you sort of adapted that, you know, from a personal standpoint, as it may be? I will say I go back and forth, quite honest, because I was the one who would go out to all of our new sites, go meet them in person, meet these physicians, you know, explain our product, give a presentation about, you know, what our model is, how we collaborate um, and evaluate those offices. That area I miss quite a bit. I miss mm. kind of that personal connection of really getting to know someone. Um, you know, we do video calls, but I don't feel it's exactly the same as kind of it's not, it's, of it's not quite, is it? It's, it's, no. it's good, but it's, you can't replace that, that personal meet and greet. And no, you really, you can't, but I will say the efficiencies of working remote though, are kind of balance it out because I can mm. be sitting at my desk here and I can talk to investigators and do video calls with six sites in the same day where typically, and that would be, you know, one in California, one in Oregon, one in New York, one in, you know, Kansas, all in the same day, where typically I would be doing that over a span of a week. And I can just have one day dedicated to these calls. So that, that piece of it has made it really nice, um, is that the, the ability to kind of, you know, get those pieces, um, to get those calls and stuff out of the way much quicker, um, and then be available for the team more instead of, you know, traveling throughout the time. That's been great. But the vetting process of new investigators and really, you know, boots on the ground, nothing can really replace that. So it's kind Definitely. of, you know, what metrics can we put in place to kind of replace that? So it's, it's always a balancing act. Yeah. And I think so I, I, it's a long, long answer to say, I'm not really sure. I'm kind of go back and forth. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't worry. I, I'm, I'm kind of the same on that. But, you know, you start answering a question like that and you do almost go back and forth in, in your own head because that's, I think everyone's kind of experiencing the same just now. But look, on, on that note, I guess, what are your, your thoughts? And it's probably going to be a, a similar answer, but about sort of virtual trials and, and big pharma collaborating with sort of smaller uh, organizations and just how that whole, how everyone seems to be 
in a way coming together more so than what they have done before. It may mean they're they may be earning less because it's it's sort of sharing the wealth as it may be. Um, but what are your thoughts on, on that and, and how we can keep trials going throughout the pandemic and beyond? Because as far as I'm aware in the conversations that I've had, it's going to be here to, for the foreseeable future. And we kind of need to adapt and continue to adapt probably. But what are your thoughts on, on that? So I, I agree with that completely. I don't see 2021 being very normal. Um, no. You know, back to the old normal, as, as mm. people would say. Um, so I think that this need for collaboration needs to continue. I think in addition, um, the threat will always be there of another potential pandemic. So mm -hmm. I think people are going to be more cognizant of it now than they've been in previous, um, you know, due to previous pandemics where maybe they were isolated to a, a certain part of the world. But now the threat of it going across the world because our, it, we are so interconnected is always, is always going to be a threat. So I think you're going to see companies uh, be more willing to work together because I think uh, risk aversion is, is kind of going to be the philosophy moving forward. I don't think companies want to, you know, a lot of companies folded. Um, mm. A lot of companies weren't able to survive this. And I think kind of those, those prideful um, kind of mindsets are kind of taking the wayside where you would say, okay, like you, like, you know, kind of summarized it perfectly. I'd rather share the wealth than watch everything that I built be destroyed by Definitely. something that I have no control over. So you know, I, I know from our standpoint, since the pandemic has happened, we've seen investigators jump in left and right, and particularly an increase in uh, research experience sites, um, you know, where typically they would be opposed to working with a network such as ourselves, because they're like, we have, you know, we do this ourselves, we don't need someone else jumping in and getting, mm. you know, more hands in the pots. But um, that group of individuals are saying, yeah, we really do see the need to work together so that we can sustain ourselves you know, moving forward, because it is, uh, you know, a huge burden on the site. So yeah. I, I do think you're going to see this across the board, but I think you're going to see site unification happening more because that's kind of the one area where we're not as unified as kind of the other segments of, of our field. Mm. Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on. And, and we've kind of experienced the, the same, I guess, you know, we're a service provider like you trying to lighten the load so people can get on with their their day-to-day -day job and people have been more open to us as, as recruiters um saying yeah actually if you can handle that and it's not going to cost us too much more than than what it would directly why on earth would we not do that so that we can be more fast efficient at, and at, at doing what we're doing so it's um i think people are just more open to, to networking to collaborating and you, that's probably why linkedin has absolutely exploded over recent months because everyone's everyone's on there everyone's got that you know feature that they can use their, their mobile to, to connect and, and network with people that you know previously was only done on the likes of facebook and instagram and and, and things and it's um it's really i think brought on this and, and accelerated where the market is, is is going and perhaps was going to go but it's just sped everything up in, in my opinion i agree with that completely i think the activity on linkedin has has kind of moved drastically not just to you know individuals posting you know hey i got this new job you know i'm so excited about this opportunity to you know individuals saying you know how can i help this is what our company does you know, who's, you know, who would, you know, want to collaborate on this or, mm. you know, who would be interested in partnering in a project on this. And I think you're starting to see, you know, people not being as apprehensive to take that first step to, you know, ask for help or collaboration now and um, the reception of it being so much better now post COVID. So I, 
I do think there are some positives that have kind of come out of it too, especially in our field. It's kind of, yeah, I guess, you know, it's, it's not a positive situation, but it, there is the silver linings and, and there always will be with, with most things in, in life. Um, so look, that's great to hear your, your thoughts on that. And I, I guess interesting background that you, you've had, but over the past six months, everyone has perhaps learned a little bit about themselves. I know that I have. Uh, one was my ability to use things like Teams, podcasts, Zoom. Um, but like, what what have you learned about yourself over the past six months, Christopher? My, um, let's see. That's actually funny because, like, well, I was actually having this conversation with some of our managers at our at our last meeting that mm. um, I've noticed that. Um, I really love what I do. I, I've noticed that um, if I don't have to shut it off, I don't, which can also be a problem. Um, I've noticed that I feel like I, I manage my time better um, when I'm managing my time rather than someone telling me that I, you know, how to manage mm-hmm. my time when I'm at home. And, you know, maybe I do take 20 minutes to run down the street to take my dog to the vet real quick in the middle of the afternoon. Um, instead of thinking about it all day while I'm at work that I need to leave here a little bit early, pick up my dog and go there, you know, something as you know, silly as that. It makes my day go by so much faster. I run out, I do what I come back. My mind is completely focused on work. Um, Mm. I'm a lot, and I will, I'll say I'm a lot more tech savvy than I originally thought I was too. Um, That's the big one for me, I think. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, and then I, I think I've also noticed too, um, before I would say that I was a homebody and that, you know, I, I think a lot of people have realized they're a lot more, you know, they actually crave that social interaction a lot more than they actually think that they do. Mm. You know, I was someone who would, you know, go into a grocery store, get what I needed, you know, go shopping, whatever. And I'm out of there in five minutes. I got my list. I'm done. I'm out. I'm not even acknowledging the people that are around me. Yeah. Um, or now I, I notice that I'm definitely a more social person than I ever gave myself credit for. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll say that for sure, but I feel like a lot of people are probably having that um, realization right now. I think, yeah, from most of the people that I've spoken to, and it, I, I mirror it, it's the ability to use tech stuff that I kind of class myself as, I'm a pen and paper man, but <laughs> clearly yes. I'm, I'm not. I've managed to adapt and managing time. And I, I think as, I mean, fortunately, I've been in a fortunate position where I've been managing my own business for several years now, but when doing it with my partner, that thing of having to go and take your dog to the vet or go and pick your, your you know, children up from nursery or any of the little errands where sometimes it plays on your mind during the day. These, these days, I'm kind of like, I can just go and do that. And I realized actually it's not the time that I'm giving up because it's the end results that I'm, I'm getting at the end of the day, which really count. It's not, I have to be in an office eight day, uh, hours a, a day. It's kind of, and when people have started working in this way, they start working for themselves rather than working for an organization. And that's what sort of I've been trying to create with, with my business. It sounds like you're going exactly the same way. And I think that more, more, more and more companies need to just need to be doing it. I think it's amazing. I agree. I feel like you're creating a lot of like intrapreneurs, mm. you know, within your company and you know, Good word. Them- I'm going to steal that one. Intrapreneurs. <laughs> that's, that's been kind need of to my, copyright um... that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've been telling um, kind of my partner a lot too, that um, that's the way I feel like, you know, our, our employees, they say, this is, you know, these are the sites that you're over. This is the part of the business that you're in charge of. Mm. Manage it. How you manage it, we're not stepping in. We're not telling you when you need to be on, when you need to be off. If you're available for your sites, I don't care if you do, you know, some of your background work at two in the morning. 
if mm. you do it, you know, at two in the afternoon, like if you're getting it done, the results are there. Our sites are happy. That's the thing, so, right? You know, at the end of the day, that's, that's what the end of the, that's what the goal is. Mm. You know what I mean? So if you're getting what you need to get done, then I, I support that completely. If you're not available, then we'll have that conversation. But um, I will say since we've kind of moved to this kind of remote aspect, it's interesting that, you know, the less, that the less people are being watched or time managed, the more available they are for their sites. It's, it's been crazy. A kind of a, it's crazy, isn't it? It's like, it's I, like I'm, reverse psychology. You're like, this shouldn't make sense, but it does. Mm, but yeah, no, a hundred percent agree. Um, so it's, it's great to hear that you, yeah, kind of we're in agreement on, on so many things here. Um, and it's been great to have you on, but look, before we let you go, uh, I always like to ask one final question. And that is, outside of everything that we've talked about research pharma biotechnology etc you know what are your passions outside of work what would have been plan b for, for you if you didn't go down that route and and people weren't saying christopher why don't you do this why don't you do this and, and poaching you at every step of the, the way what would what if would have been I, the route for you if i it kind of similar not a not the same aspect as being an athlete but i if i would not have gone into clinical research or you know in the medical field at all um, I would have been a football coach. I nice. love football more than anything, or, uh, you know, uh, American football. Yeah. Um, to me, it's, it's American football. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, we won't get into football and soccer. I <laughs> have <laughs> uh, more than anything in the world. Like when I'm watching the games, you know, I'm calling the plays. I am, you know, I get very into it, very excited. Cleveland Browns are my life. I love Ohio state as well. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's where I would be. I'd probably be a football coach either. Um, you know, most likely on the defensive side, like a defensive coordinator is, is what I would have done. I never played football, but I've always been, you know, very um, into um, kind of a, the kind of coaching aspects of it. And then dream job would have been being a general manager and, and for, you know, building a team. But obviously those are, those are pipe dreams. So if that was the route nice. I would have taken. Well, it's, it's one of those, those sports in it. There's so many inspirational guys that are involved with it. You know, for me, you mentioned the, the defensive side of things. I've always enjoyed watching YouTube after YouTube of, of Ray Lewis. Um, yes. And, you know, his motivational Legend. speeches, which can, you know, be so related to, to business and just life rather than just football. So, yeah, I, th I think it's um, perhaps that's where your, your own motivation has come, has been from that football aspirations. It's just <laughs> been channeled into clinical research. So it's good to, to have a man like you in, in the field. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You are welcome. Well, look, thanks again, Christopher. It's been a pleasure to have you on board. That is the Huxley Morton podcast for today. Enjoy all. <laughs>